Welcome to Ben and Matt Sportscast. You found us. It's episode two. I'm Ben Glixman. I'm joined again by my tag team partner, Matt Story. Matt, it's been, yes, a re- it's been an interesting week for ASU. No one has had a more interesting week than Bryce Perkins. Yeah, yeah. In, in uh, but what, the span of, I guess, 12 hours, at least publicly, he went from competing for the starting job to transferring to being injured to now maybe being out for the year and not transferring. Uh, quite the odyssey. I mean, one thing that you and I have talked about, you know, off mic, which I think is important to bring up now, and both of us are journalism majors from ASU, so we sort of yeah. take this personally. The reporting and the need to be first, we get a story out of nowhere that Bryce Perkins is going to transfer in. And certainly when you have three quarterbacks now, four with Dylan Sterling Cole, mm-hmm. competing for a job, and they're all underclassmen, you think that somebody's going to be the odd man out and they're not going to want to stay. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to jump on this and say – Bryce Perkins is going to transfer, sources say, and apparently no one talked to Bryce Perkins or his family. Because yeah, yeah, I mean, it it uh, it almost just felt like kind of connecting the dots. He, you know, he wasn't at practice, and there's a quarterback competition going on, and this must mean he's leaving. And I, I think that was uh, maybe too simplistic of a take, I guess. Yeah, and and the distraction that it causes now, this is nowhere like last year when you have a running backs coach who gets fired right before the start of the season. Right. But, you know, you're in a quarterback battle, you're in training camp, you're trying to find a leader. Bryce Perkins just gets named to the Dirty Dozen for his workouts. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you, you've got him, Todd Graham, and his father having to answer questions about, hey, yeah. Bryce is transferring, when did that happen? Right, right, no, agreed. I mean, it... it uh... It was strange, just very strange, and then I think you're right. I think it was just uh, a situation where, you know, somebody wants to be first with the story. And, it, and again, it was easy to connect the dots. Um, he came in as sort of an athletic quarterback prospect uh, that some were projecting, well, they might try to change his position. And so you're reading the tea leaves, and you're seeing that maybe Manny Wilkins, Brady White have sort of got the lead. Bryce Perkins isn't at practice. They must have asked him to change positions, and, you know, he's been – publicly i think uh, reticent uh to do that in the past at least coming out of high school and and i think just people you know drew conclusions that weren't quite there yeah i mean i absolutely think that's what we're seeing and you know it's too bad because from everything that you've been hearing camp's been going well the reporting from doug haller the arizona republic's beat reporter seems to indicate that all the quarterbacks are getting along yeah, You know, the transition to a new offensive coordinator who's coaching the quarterbacks with Lindsey is going mm-hmm. well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounded like, you know, everything was harmonious. And that did kind of come out of nowhere that you know, somebody would be transferred already. And again, it, it, it wasn't a huge surprise when we thought that was the story. It was very easy to think, well, hey, you know, when you got, you got four quarterbacks who are all either freshmen or sophomores this year, you're not going to keep them all. And I still don't think that, that they will. Eventually you'll see... Uh, some attrition somewhere, either through a position change or a transfer or, or multiple of those. Um, but it, yeah, it was it was kind of out of nowhere, and then and then very quickly dispelled, I guess, by his dad and and Todd Graham. Yeah, the one thing that's interesting is you have a coach who gets asked about a transfer who apparently, rightly so, had no idea where this conversation was coming from. I guess, yeah, yeah. I mean, sort of like. Uh, the Josh Norman story this week where, you know, Jay Gruden didn't know what was going on. And he always, 
I always hate that when the coach gets asked about something and doesn't doesn't have any idea it's coming up. Um, and, and if that was the situation, obviously uh, not ideal for anybody. Yeah, the, the hope obviously is that this is just going to be a blip and we're all going to get past it yeah, in ASU. But... Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, uh, obviously the, the, the story now being what it is, is he's obviously out for a good portion of time, if not the whole season. And, and so now you kind of move forward and into probably a two-man race. I think both of us thought it was it was really a three-man race and that, that Dylan, Sterling, Dylan Sterling Cole wasn't really a factor this year. Um, so now it's it's you know down to two and and you hope that uh, that one emerges and whoever doesn't emerge um, remains with the team to provide some depth because you don't want a true freshman as your number two quarterback. Yeah, right now the worst case scenario because I agree with you, DSC is probably a year away and I think everybody sort of saw that when he was coming in. But from a worst case scenario perspective, is whoever wins the job, the other quarterback who's healthy says, "All right, I'm going to transfer before the season, try to save right. this year." And then you've got one starting quarterback, an injured backup, Dylan Sterling Cole as you know your red as your shirt. number two, yeah, basically, yeah. And and I guess you know you're talking to Colton Gerhardt about seeing if he can get yeah. back on the offensive side of the ball for one yeah. more season. Yeah, I mean this is this is always why when when you hear the reports of oh they've got three quarterbacks, four quarterbacks, I always I always caution because very quickly that depth can can take a hit and we've already taken one hit with Bryce Perkins. And again, when you had four, that's enough depth that you could take one, but you really can't afford to take another. And it, it kind of leads me to wonder if, I mean, I, and I think we're already headed that direction, but will there not be a declarative starter? Will we just go into the first game, play somebody and see how that goes. And, and that way Todd Graham and the coaching staff can kind of string these two guys along and keep them both competitive so you don't make a declaration that, hey, one guy has beaten the other and the other decides to take off. Yeah. I mean, at, at some point, you you have to figure Graham knows what he's doing. He got Mike Berkovicki to stay for four years after. He did. He did. And and Eubank for two more years. I mean, it, you know, the last time we had a similar situation, three guys, you know, they both stayed on the roster for two more years at least. And, and Burko stayed, you know, through the end of his eligibility. So that was unexpected. Now, this is just going to be a quick hitter conversation because we're, next week we're planning on doing our game-by-game -game pick. Preview. Correct. Uh, but one other item that's come up, there's been a lot of transfers into the ASU program of people who Jay Norvell, the wide receiver coach, was active in recruiting or knew from his previous stop in Texas. They brought in two receivers. They also brought in graduate transfer Bryson Eccles. Right. It's it's certainly interesting now with the free movement of fifth-year players, the you know quick trigger on transferring to have a situation where the movement of assistant coaches is really going to be a major factor moving forward. I think. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I mean, it you know, uh, it it does take on as time goes by, it takes on sort of a free agency type of feel, especially with graduate transfers. These guys they they leave and they can even transfer in conference. You see that a lot. Or, you know, within within their own conference and play for another team, and so it's it's a strange dynamic. Um, but yeah, I mean, some interesting talent. I think that they added. Um, you know, I know only one of them is eligible this year, but definitely the two receivers next year. You hope that adds to a core that's pretty young this year. Um, doesn't I think Cameron Smith might be the only only senior? Unless is Tim White a senior? Tim White's is, a senior. Um, 
and there there are some veterans. I mean, you've got Fred Gamage. Right, right. You know, I mean, but it's there's there's definitely some some young guys. You hope with this this group of of true freshman receivers. Obviously, not all of them will play, so some will be redshirt freshmen next year. Um, that they really like this group, led by Harry. Obviously, you know, expecting big things out of him. Um, so it's you know you hope that those two guys can add something to the, to the table. Um, you know, they're both getting pretty strong reviews right now. Of course, we know from the past that. You know, sometimes guys are practice wonders, and uh, you hear a lot of great things about them until it comes time to actually play the first game, and and then they kind of just disappear from the radar. So I'm hesitant to get too excited, but I like what I hear at least. Yeah, and then two years later, they're running with the fifth team cornerbacks. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, you you know you never know. It's always hard to judge, um, but it's it's interesting, you know. Uh, and and uh, yeah, I mean the dynamic is a little a little different, and obviously same with the coaches and, uh, you know, reading the story this week. And it is interesting that, you know, Jay Norvell was a, was a finalist or at least a candidate for the offensive coordinator job, didn't get it. And then, and then ends up coming here anyway to be the wide receivers coach. So uh, you hope you got the best to both worlds by getting, getting the coordinator you wanted and then maybe getting the, the number two choice too. And I think it speaks volumes about the ASU program that Norvell is at Texas He's the wide receivers coach. I believe he had some play calling duties. He's definitely a he key did. recruiter. And all of a sudden, he is coming to ASU where he probably won't have play calling duties. He's still the wide receivers coach, and he's willing to make that jump. It, yeah, it, it yeah. Sh- you know, it just shows that they've built quite a program. That what Ray Anderson's doing from the athletic department top down has been really solid work. And yeah, hopefully so. I mean, you know, it could it could prove to be a steal getting him. I mean, he. He's been kind of uh, caught in some coaching staff turnover at Oklahoma first. They, you know, they made a change with their offensive philosophy, and then he goes to Texas, and that's been that's been a struggle there. You know, they've tried to find a quarterback really since Colt McCoy. They're still in that process, and uh, you know, Charlie Strong, I think, is feeling the the heat to make a change, and he did, and and so that that left him out there, and and you know, maybe it turns out to be a, a blessing in disguise, uh, and not even in really in disguise for ASU. It just turns out to be a blessing. Yeah, the one last thing that I wanted to touch on, which uh, I didn't preview with Matt, so hopefully he's able to do this on the fly. Um, <laughs> I think so. Phil Steele on ESPN has been very high on ASU. Um, he he put us in his teams to look out for for a bounce back year. He put us on his list of the top linebacker units in the country. Yeah. He's very bullish on the team, and I think that's a you know that's a good sign because that's a guy who knows what he's talking about. Yeah, hopefully so. You know, I mean, I, again, this is this is so different than last year. Last year, everybody was talking about us, and we were ranked in the top fifteen preseason, and we were kind of a popular, trendy dark horse pick to win the conference and even go to the college football playoff. And, this year's been pretty different, not getting a lot of national talk uh, and even locally not getting a, a lot of hype. Um, but I keep going back to the year that this team won the South, 2013. We weren't getting a lot of hype then either. And and maybe, maybe it's a better situation uh, in the short term, at least for this program, to kind of be off the radar. You want to eventually get to a point where where you're on the radar and you perform up to expectations. That didn't happen last year, but uh, – you know, maybe maybe that's a good situation for us. And yeah, I mean, um, hopefully he's right. You know, that's the that's the thing. There's always there's always some teams that surprise and 
and that by the middle or end of October, people are saying, boy, how come we didn't see this team coming? And, and hopefully that's ASU this year. Yeah. Todd Graham seems to thrive in that dark horse role. I think so. I think it fits his personality a little bit. Uh, I mean, as much as he likes to embrace the expectations, which I like, I know he rubbed some people the wrong way with that last year, a lot of people. But, I th- you know, you and I have discussed this a lot over the years. I like the fact that he does. But I think he's also he's kind of that, that rebel character that, you know, I mean, every coach seems to like that, the chip on the shoulder. Hey, nobody believes in us. Um, you know, nobody thinks we're going to be any good. Let's go out and prove them wrong. It's an easy motivator, and especially at the college level. You know, you can you could get guys fired up with that. You know, you saw some of that in that in that video from the last weightlifting session that they had or conditioning session. And, you know, they're giving the speeches about, hey, you know, Nobody thinks we're going to be good, but it doesn't matter. You know, we're going to end this thing with a ring, and, and hopefully they will. Um, I don't think it's going to be a national title ring, but, you know, even a division ring would be, would be certainly overachieving for this team, I think. Absolutely agreed. But we will get into that next week. When, yes, indeed. <laughs> when we do our game-by-game breakdown, this is going to wrap up a short version of the Ben and Matt Sports Podcast. We'll be back next week with our ASU preview.